Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to HIV Hope and Charity, a podcast series brought to you by TVPS, a charity that's been supporting people affected by HIV since 1985. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess and we work for TVPS and our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. If you like the podcast, please rate, subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, what was that big bang? Well, I just put my pen down, but was that quite forceful? Yes. Oh dear, it sounded like I was very grumpy. Yes. Anyway, hello, welcome to HIV Hope and Charity. Oh, we've had quite a week, haven't we? Such a week, and not just any week, a great week. Some of you may have seen on our social media, if you're not following us, I don't know why, go and follow us. But you might have seen that last week, last Wednesday, wasn't it? Uh, yes, last Wednesday. We unveiled a living HIV memorial in Reading. Very good, wasn't it? It was great. And the oh, the press came down and the TV spent all morning with us. They were there for ages, weren't they? They were. Actually, do you know what? It was a really nice morning. You know, the weather was nice. The location's beautiful. It was very relaxed. You're right. They did tons of filming, didn't they? Yeah, it was lovely. So they filmed with Sarah and then they filmed with our patron, Mark, who actually we've done a podcast with before, haven't we? And talked yeah. about his story. And they also filmed with one of our service users and he wanted to be anonymous. So they were able to do that. And everyone was just talking about why it's important to have a living HIV memorial. And it's lovely. It's a lovely cherry blossom tree that a few weeks ago, it literally just looked like a giant twig, didn't it? But it's managed to sprout well, some leaves. You say it doesn't. No, you're right. It has grown actually quite a bit. When I turned up to meet some of the people there last week, when we turned up, Everyone was sat underneath quite a big cherry blossom tree near it. And I had to say, oh, no, no, it's that one. And I'm not kidding you. They turned around and went, where? And I was like, how? But 
it will grow. It will be beautiful. And it will be just like those massive trees they were sitting under at some point. Yeah, no, it'll be fine. It's still a, a baby tree at the moment. But the first time I saw it, I was like, it's not anything to celebrate. I think everyone was expecting something massive. But it's like, well, you can't just pick a tree and go, that one's mine. That, you know, 300 year old tree. This mm. is this is it. It's like, it's not going to work like that, is it? No. So, yeah, so we're still basking in the aftermath of that, aren't we? And all the social media and... Yeah, it's been good. It's been fantastic. Yeah, it's been really lovely. And then as well last week, everything happened last Wednesday. Everything. Mm. So TVPS manages a group called BU. And again, I know we have listeners from all over the world. So they're like, why are you telling us about something happening in Slam? We're telling you because we're very excited about it. We're just celebrating. So we run this group called BU and we'd run it for years over in Reading and it was really successful. It's a coffee social for anyone from the LGBTQ plus community. And it's held in an evening, really nice and just chilled, isn't it? Lovely. And we had decided to hold it in Slough as well as Reading because Reading has an awful lot of groups for the LGBTQ plus community. So it's really well catered for Whereas over in the east of our county in Berkshire, there's really nothing at all, is there? No, no, there really is nothing. So we thought, right, going to bring the to Slough. And this was our third one. So it's held once a month. And <laughs> the first two, we had we had a couple of people come, didn't we? We were so wanting, lot, you know, lots of people to hear about it and enjoy it. Last Wednesday was the day, wasn't it? Everyone came. Yeah, no, it was amazing, actually. I think it's, it's, I don't know, everyone just turned up on the same day and, and what a lo- lovely bunch of people. Really enjoyable evening, actually. A nice way to round off the day. Absolutely. And hopefully they're going to tell lots of other people. It's, you know, a private safe space just to come and be yourself. It's in the name. It does what it says on the tin. Be you. <laughs> Excellent. So there you go. So we're both exhausted, but, you know, we'll plough on. But happy. Yes, but happy. Next, next stop. Podcast awards. That's all I'm saying. Comes in threes. Good things come in threes, right? I'm manifesting it for us. Okay. Good work. Right. Oh, do you know what we're looking at this week? Are they from America? No. (laughs) No, it's not a specific hero. It's not even a specific moment in history, so to speak. But it is carrying on from our last episode. So you remember last time we looked at the origins of HIV? I do. We learned that the AIDS pandemic started in 1920. Who knew? It's I know, see? So now we're fully up to speed on where HIV originated from and how it spread. That was a great episode. If you're only just joining us now, honestly, do go back and listen to that HIV orange. Oranges? <laughs> oranges episode. The origins episode. Do go back and listen to that because it was fascinating. We can't we can't leave this topic without dispelling some of the myths about how HIV started. And there are a few because everyone loves a conspiracy theory, don't they? I know I do. And we hear a lot of them in our line of work, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I've heard quite a few. And you know, it's our public duty, Jess to put those myths to bed. So that's what we're going to do in this episode. I'm quite excited about this. Let's hope I live up to your expectations. So remember, some of the sources for these are vague, but they're all on Google. But sometimes it's this person anonymously said this, this person said that. So we'll see how we go. But we're going to start. Actually, the first one's a good example of vagueness. So we're going back 1987, height of the epidemic, and a story that appeared in the Times, reputable newspaper, in which... World Health Organization advisor 
was quoted as saying that the AIDS epidemic was triggered by a mass vaccination program for smallpox. When was that? When did they say that? 1987. The person from the World Health Organization was anonymous. Well, we can all do that, can't we? Just throw around ridiculous opinions anonymously. Yeah, but they said anonymously that they believed the smallpox vaccine was the reason for the explosion of AIDS. Honestly, sometimes people's use of language. I just don't understand what where where that would even come from, why it would even be related to smallpox. So the Times article talks about a military recruit that had what they called dormant HIV. What's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not a term we'd use. Uh, who died within months of receiving the vaccine. But what they didn't do was give any comparison to anyone else who'd received the vaccine who wasn't positive. You know, how many of them died from it? Were there any other contributing factors underlying illnesses? But the theorists, the conspiracy theorists, then went one step further and suggested that the smallpox vaccine deliberately infected people with HIV. See how rumours start and then they just get bigger. I feel like this is such a running theme with HIV as well, though. Like someone spreading it. It's like a government doing this. Like, why? Why do we think this? Well, exactly. And, you know, it didn't cause a surge. You know, that vaccine didn't cause a surge in HIV at all. I mean, it may have been that when the vaccine was administered, conditions weren't sterile. That might have been what spread HIV, but it wasn't down to the vaccine itself. Now, the details are quite vague, okay? But I've got another one in a very similar vein with a lot more detail. So there is a similar theory about HIV and the polio vaccination. In fact, do you still call it a vaccination because it's actually an oral yeah, oral vaccination, I suppose you'd call it. Is it? I don't know. Is is that what you'd call it, a vaccination? Because I'm I'm with you. A vaccination is in a needle that goes in you. Maybe it's just a vaccine, oral polio vaccine. I don't know. I was going to call it a deterrent. Oh. It's a polio deterrent. <laughs> so look, there's more detail around this one. You can see, oh, you can see how uh, rumours start. So in the 50s, in the 1950s, different groups of researchers, they're developing vaccines against polio. And at the time, polio was very prevalent. One vaccine was being developed by somebody called Hilary Kaprowski. It was tested in America and then it's trialled in Africa. And it's made the vaccines grown in tissue culture from a court monkey's. Poor monkeys. They get used in everything, don't they? And it was trialled in Burundi, Rwanda and the Democratic Republic of Congo. So far, so good, right? Right. That's where it gets a bit weird. Rolling Stone magazine published a story in 1992 that discussed whether the oral polio vaccine that Dr. Kaprowski had developed was a possible source of HIV. Why? I don't know. What's, I mean, what's, what's happened? I just don't understand why every single like vaccine or illness, it, it feels like we then go, well, that's probably the spread of HIV, isn't it? Don't do it. Don't. It's so weird, isn't it? I mean, Kaprowski, he sued them for this because they bring in his name into disrepute. And the following year, Rolling Stone issued a statement and it said that they wish to clarify they never intended to suggest in the article that there is any scientific proof that Dr. Kaprowski, an illustrious scientist, was in fact responsible for introducing AIDS to the human population or that he is the father of AIDS. They wrote that. They wrote that. Obviously, you can't find the original article or I couldn't find the original article to check if they put that in the original. But that is what they are referring to in their apology. I know. I just don't really understand what it's got to do with Rolling Stone magazine. No, or why they'd even write this article. But it didn't end there because a journalist 
called Edward Hooper. He wrote a book called The River, A Journey to the Source of HIV and AIDS, wrote that in 1999. And he based his book on the link between HIV and the polio vaccine. His argument was based on the fact that he said kidney cells from chimpanzees that were local to where the vaccine was trialled were used to culture the vaccine virus and that those chimpanzees were infected with SIV. There is no evidence at all that that is true. He was writing a book on it. (laughs) We're just making things up and going, this is what I think. I feel like it's a bit like the Randy Schultz situation with Patient Zero, you know, where if you haven't listened to Reclaimed Dugar episode one, please go and do that. This Mm. will make sense. But it's a bit like that, isn't it? I'm just, these are the things I think, and I think I found this link. So what I'm going to do is publish this as fact. That's not fact. It's so weird, but it led to an investigation. So firstly, leftover stocks of the polio vaccine were examined by independent laboratories and were confirmed to have been made using monkey cells, not chimpanzee cells. So Edward Hooper had said, these are chimpanzee cells, they've got SIV. No, they weren't. They were a different type of monkey. And none of the vaccines that they tested contaminated with HIV or SIV or anything else. Did anyone apologise to this guy? Well... No, another study published in Nature in 2004 agreed with it. So it rolls on, that kind of theory rolled on. So Nature's like, hold on a second. They agreed with the investigation. They went one step further because they identified the strain of SIV affecting chimpanzees in the area where Edward Hooper had claimed the vaccine was being prepared. And the strain didn't match any strain of HIV. So even if the polio vaccine had been made using infected monkeys cells, They didn't carry the strain that transferred to humans. And then one step further, epidemiology studies then highlighted another flaw. And this is one we already know. And that is that HIV can be traced back to the 1920s. The Congo vaccine trials took place in the 1950s. So it couldn't have been the source of HIV because HIV already existed. And was this guy's career essentially ruined? Well, he's no, because he stood by his claims. He alleged that there'd been a huge organised cover up, even though it had been disproven multiple times. What happened was that this led to some people refusing the polio vaccine in parts of Africa. And that led to outbreaks of the illness. So even though it's been disproven from very reputable sources, some people still believed it. So people were, were refusing the polio so then there were outbreaks of polio yes and i bet any case of hiv that would have popped up would have also just been attributed that's why you know you can't you can't argue with people when they're on that kind of i'm gonna call it it's just my opinion obviously that kind of bananas mindset it's like you can't and they almost want you to it's like you have to pick your arguments don't you some people are so committed to disagreeing with you that nothing you will say will change their mind No, I think you're right. I think people are naturally suspicious anyway, aren't they? And, you know, the slightest kind of inkling that something's not right, they'll cling on to that. It doesn't matter how many times you try and disprove what they believe. It's it's lodged there, isn't it? And and that's what they kind of stick with. I think sometimes people prefer conspiracy to logic. It's more exciting, isn't it? Yeah. And everyone likes to think that, you know, everybody's up to something. And yeah, I mean, you hear it a lot with the government anyway, don't you? That they're doing this and they're doing that. And it's difficult to know what to believe sometimes. But there you go. Do you want to hear another one? Yes. (laughs) 
I'm not sure. I just feel like they're all just going to be terrible because there's just a bit of a running theme, isn't there? Of I don't know, blaming everything. It's this thing's, you know, why there's HIV spreading. None of them are lighthearted, Sarah. I wanted lighthearted conspiracy. Oh, I no, I can't give you lighthearted. Oh. But we're come on, we're doing a public service, dispelling the myths. Okay. We will plow on. So we're going to look next at a dermatologist called Alan Cantwell. He self-published important to remember he self-published two books one was called AIDS and the Doctors of Death an inquiry into the origin of the AIDS epidemic and the other is called Queer Blood the secret AIDS genocide plot both focus on the theme that HIV is a genetically modified organism developed by the US government scientists I've heard this theory a few times but not always linked to America I've heard it was developed by Germans by Russians but I've definitely heard service users talk about this before I have too but and with actual um belief real conviction yeah yeah that it was a man-made virus that was that was used to infect people so his theory is that the virus was introduced into the population through hepatitis b vaccines he says experiments were performed on gay and bisexual men between 1978 and 1981 in major u.s cities he says the experiments were directed we'll have to excuse my pronunciation by wolf zmunis fantastic name probably butchered it now he was he's a real life person he was an epidemiologist and he developed an interest in hepatitis b when his wife nearly died of it so he designed a trial for the vaccine and it was trialed on over a thousand gay men in america and they chose gay men because they were 10 times more likely to develop hepatitis b than the population in general that all sounds quite reasonable to me okay yeah i'm with you Alan Cantwell, he didn't buy this at all. And he insisted his theory was correct, that there was an ongoing government cover up of the origins of the AIDS epidemic. There have been similar theories suggested by other people. But as we know, it's not correct. HIV came to America from Haiti. We have proved this. We know this. Yes. Last episode, we keep saying it. I like it how we're saying we proved it. Like we're. I'm taking all the all the credit for it it's all about vaccines though isn't it there's a real running theme here there is yes yes there is another theory are you ready for this i see your little face getting sadder and sadder because it's just it is a bit sad isn't it is is this why can i guess is this one related to a vaccine measles chicken box is there a chicken box vaccine well there is yeah yeah there is a chicken box vaccine okay is it is it one of those no, I think this one is even even more bonkers, if I'm honest. Okay, so this time, where are we going now? Germany, East Germany, when it was East Germany. There was a professor at Humboldt University called Jakob Siegel, and he proposed that HIV was engineered at a US military laboratory at Fort Dietrich. And he says the virus was created by splicing together two other viruses, one called Visna, which is a retrovirus that causes encephalitis and pneumonia in sheep, and HTLV1, which, as we know, is the human T-cell leukaemia virus. According to his theory, the new virus was created around 1977-1978, was tested on prison inmates. They volunteered for the experiment in exchange for early release. And he went on to suggest it was through... Sorry, can we just pause? (laughs) I knew I wouldn't get through all of it. So they bribed them with early release to be guinea pigs, essentially. Oh it sounds God. very reasonable to me. Probably happens all the time. <laughs> I, like, I liked how you just breeze through it. I'm, not, I'm never going to get to the end of this paragraph. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I'm just a bit shocked by that, to be honest. It's just like, right, okay. 
Whereas I, on the other hand, it sounds perfectly normal. Of course, people are released all the time if they put themselves up to be experimented on. It's not a problem. So, yes, so they were uh, volunteered for the experiment in exchange for early release. He went on to suggest it was through these prisoners that the virus was spread to the population at large. Wow. Okay. Okay. I mean, no. <laughs> I should say none of that. None of that is true. <laughs> Prisoners aren't released from prison and then they can all re- imagine covering the whole of America. For, I mean, that was quite a task for them to undertake. America is so enormous. I can't even cope with how vast it is. I cannot even get my head around it. I think going to Scotland, driving there is madness, right? From where we are, we're sort of just outside London, aren't we? Yes. And it would take us maybe eight hours, something like that, to drive mm. to Scotland. I think that's insanity and really far away. In America, that's like nothing. It's nothing. Just had to tell you, I feel very passionately about how fast it is. <laughs> no, you don't feel the same? About how far? Vast with a V. Oh, vast. <laughs> oh, God. You can tell it's been the end of a long week. Vast. Yes, America is fast. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Moving on. Oh, quite the conversationalist today. I know. <laughs> Do you think I was just saying it's far away? Yes, it's far away, Jess. Far. <laughs> Thinking, like talking to a four-year-old. Yes, it is far. Just vast. Yeah, no, it's no, it is vast, definitely. So to assume that prisoners, because you know, I mean, the prison population can't be that huge. To assume they travelled all over America spreading HIV is just ludicrous. But as I said, it's not true, and we know this. Because at the end of the Cold War, two former KGB agents, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of their names, but I'll give it a go. One was called Vasily Matroni and the other was called Oleg Gordievsky. Did you do languages at school or not so much? I, I did. I, I know you did. Didn't you do a few languages? I did French and German and then I did Spanish at college. Who picked Spanish at college? I, right, you won't be able to tell from my pronunciation, but I love different languages. No, I'm with you. But so the reason I'm surprised about Sarah, again, I feel like we always, I, I never explain what I mean. It's not because I'm down on the Spanish language. Actually, amazing. I'd actually love to be able to speak Spanish. It's because, so over here in England, two options we have at school are French and German, aren't they? And you yes, can yes. have to do one. You can often pick two. So I did French and German, but I'd never heard of colleges and things doing Spanish. Which, hence my surprise of like what out of oh. nowhere you just picked Spanish oh I see do you know at school now when they do their options they don't have to pick a language at all other than English language isn't that awful do they not no. that was it was compulsory when I was at yeah. school yeah it was a thousand years ago yeah <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> yeah surprisingly the education system has moved on and now we don't have to. You, you just went very pink. Sarah and I are recording on Zoom, as always. And all of a sudden, my screen just lit up like violet neon purple, didn't it? I liked it. Created by a conspiracy theorist. They don't like our work today. They're listening. Right. Back to our KGB agents. I apologise for the pronunciation. They independently revealed that the Fort Detrick hypothesis was a propaganda operation Codenamed, this is the best thing ever, codenamed Operation Infection. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought KGB agents, surely they'd have come up with a code that was slightly harder to crack. You'd think, wouldn't you? It's slightly on the nose, that one. Their claims about this being a propaganda operation, they were backed up 
by an officer called Gunther Bonensack. He's German. I did German at school. Pronunciation awful. And he worked in the main directorate for reconnaissance. So he's basically saying, yeah, what they're saying is true. So Jakob Segal was in close contact with Russian KGB officers and was mentioned as being central asset of the operation and therefore was spreading these rumours about HIV. What we don't know is whether the theory comes from Segal himself or whether he was told to tell people this theory. In other words, was he just following orders or did he come up with splicing things together himself? Well, I feel like he didn't come up with that by himself. I'm going to put that out there again, just my opinion, only because if he was also the person that came up with the name, it's not that imaginative. So I feel he can't have come up with the name and also come up with this really imaginative idea. It's They don't go together, those two things. No, but he has always denied that he was following orders and he's always maintained his theory, even after Operation Infection had been cancelled, even after the Cold War had ended. So he is either extremely loyal in sticking to his orders or he truly believes that splicing together two viruses caused HIV. It didn't. I still can't get over the name. Why would you call it? It, Because it's propaganda. So it's designed to scare people. So why is it called Operation Infection? It's got nothing to do with infecting people. Surely just call it like Operation Scaredy Cat. (laughs) Like, isn't that what we're going for? (laughs) It seems very odd. Oh, no. Who knows what happened back then, but it's just not the best code name, is it? We could come up with better. Exactly. Let's have an Operation Scaredy Cat. What will it be? Oh, I don't want to start any rumours. They're very, very dangerous. So you want to do an actual operation rather than just a rumour operation? What, as in cutting someone open? I mean, I'll (laughs) give it a go. I did biology at school. So misunderstood me like an operation. Like a what? (laughs) A military operation. So I meant rather than if we're going to call it Scaredy Cat, rather than the operation is a rumour, I said a physical one of like actually doing something rather than starting a rumour. And then you said cutting people. (laughs) There's me already to help the NHS. I'll do a few operations at our centre. It's fine. If it was what you were suggesting, then it would be called Operation Scaredy Cat. Yes. I wouldn't do big operations. I'd do minor, minor procedures, I reckon. Like mole removal. Oh, yes. Yes, maybe just very cosmetic thing. I like it. It's an avenue for us to consider. Note yes. it down. We'll come back to it later. Yeah. Right, okay, look, another theory. Oh, we've talked about this one, actually. When we talked in, uh, in the uh, music episode, I'll get my words out in a minute, my gosh. When we talked about the Wu-Tang Clan, yes. and they were dispelling myths via rap that HIV was introduced to decrease the population. And that theory might have come from an author called Milton William Cooper. He wrote a book called Behold a Pale Horse. It's got lots of conspiracy theories in it, uh, you know, UFOs, how JFK was assassinated. And I think he is he's a bit of a professional conspiracy theorist, I would say. A what? A professional conspiracy theorist. You didn't say that. <laughs> You said he's a, he's a professional. I think you said conspiracy theorist. Like, I don't know because what... my mind has moved on to my cosmetic surgery <laughs> operation that I'm going to start. Sarah's mole removals. It's yes. so glamorous. It's a sideline to TVPS. So like I said, we can't work in HIV forever. Ever. Oh, God, I can't speak now. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. So he was like a professional conspiracy theorist. And in his book, he proposes that AIDS was the result of a conspiracy to decrease the populations of blacks, Hispanics and homosexuals. I've heard this one before as well. And just like 
so many other theories, it did strike a chord with the, some of those communities. So in particular, Black and Hispanic people it created a barrier to people testing because they believed that what was the point if they were destined to get HIV because of their background or their colour, there was nothing they could do about that. Right. So they'd rather not know, not test. It's just an inevitable thing. That's what they believed because yes. of this. But it just shows how people kind of cling on to these statements, or in his case, a book, and truly believe what's written. I can't believe how many things you can just write, just write utter nonsense. And people are just like, yeah, all right, I believe it. Maybe that's where Operation Scaredy Cat starts, Sarah. Write a book about your mole removal. We'll put it out. Self-publish is fine. We've learned today that that's not a problem. You can make up whatever you want and away we go. I reckon we could. We emphasise that I've got a B in biology. I like it. You're on your way. Absolutely. That's, that's all the accreditation I need. I think you're right. So an article in The Guardian, 2005, it said almost half of all African-Americans believe that HIV, the virus that causes AIDS, is man-made and more than a quarter believe it was produced in a government laboratory. And one in eight think it was created and spread by the CIA. That was a study released by the Rand Corporation and the University of Oregon. That is the damage of conspiracy theories right there. In 2005 as well. I know. And that man's theory is not based on any evidence at all. It's just him thinking, do you know what? I think HIV probably started like this and it was definitely destined to wipe out whole communities. And yet look at the negative impact it had on all these Americans going, God, you're right. That's really what must have happened. It's quite scary that, isn't it? Because you think, does it become, like we said earlier, does it become a self-fulfilling prophecy where people are so resistant to test because they believe that's what happened, that actually you're not getting tested, so you're not getting care. So HIV then is ravaging these communities. I know. It's not good. No, it's not good. Now, our last theory is... Oh, is it not a beat one? No. Not a silly one. Go on, just make something silly up. No. <laughs> oh, I will make one up, though. I'll do one in because people will believe it. I will <laughs> make one up after this. So, no, this comes from a Nobel Peace Prize laureate, and she was called Wangari Mathai. She was the first woman in America to be awarded that prize. She was an environmental and political activist, someone that a lot of people, particularly women, looked up to. And she was asked by Time magazine in 2004 if she stood by a previous claim that had appeared in a Kenyan newspaper where she'd said AIDS is a biological weapon manufactured by the developed world to wipe out the black race. She responded wow. saying, you know, I've got no idea who created AIDS and whether it's biological agent or not, but I do know things like this don't come from the moon i guess there's some truth that must not be too exposed well we she did obviously not listening to our podcast no well this was quite a long time ago before our podcast yeah no i'm aware of it but again the importance of this podcast but wow it's not helpful well you're not you're not disagreeing are you with what you've said so in you're basically reinforcing that yes what you think yeah and she, I mean, to be fair to her she did issue a statement um later that year and she said i neither say nor believe that the virus was developed by white people or white powers in order to destroy african people such views are wicked and destructive and in a way that kind of shows where that article went because it's gone from saying that there's got to be a theory out there somewhere that says how aids was created to her denying now that it was white people, white powers developed this. Look, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I understand that. Especially when you have a platform that might affect so many people's health. Really have to think about what you're saying and how you say it. Absolutely. And that's all my conspiracies that I have come up with. There were no funny ones that I Googled that you thought, God, that really couldn't be true. I mean, some of these I think really couldn't be true, but other people believed them. I thought there might be some fun ones like, 
I don't know, like the Charlie Sheen, you know, the um, sheepskin, lambskin condom thing, which I did think was just a bit of a rumour conspiracy theory. But actually, we learned we definitely did use and it is not a tiny rug. No, <laughs> just rolled around the penis. It's not that. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no good ones, but all very informative. There's always something you say, right, that I think I, I just never would have predicted that that would have come into our conversation at work. And rolling a rug around a tiny penis is one of those expressions. Why are you assuming Charlie Sheen's got a tiny penis? Oh, I don't have that on. <laughs> oh, dear. For the record, I don't think he has got a tiny penis, nor do I think he's got a large penis. It's probably I agree. I think just average. Yeah. I've never really thought about it, to be honest. Nor had I until you mentioned it. Even when I was saying rapping, I wasn't. I mean, you were the one that really went for it. We should probably leave it there. Do you think so? <laughs> You know what? Perhaps we should just be clear that our Origins of HIV episode, where we explain exactly how HIV originated, that's not a conspiracy theory. Because if you're listening to this, you go, how on earth did they know what the truth was? That's a good point. It's because we cross-reference our sources. So, um, and I trust the sources that we use. So we're looking at work produced by specialists in their field who've been published in reputable scientific publications. You know, you can't just write any old theory and the magazine will publish it. They need proof that what you've written is correct. We tend not to use self-published work. And we also use news sources that we believe to be reputable, like the BBC. But of course, everyone's free to make their own minds up. We can't control how anyone thinks. But in terms of this episode, I think we've disproven some of the most common theories. So our work here is done. I have never needed a cup of tea more in my life. I can't believe I tried to shut the episode down before you'd actually said all of that, which is a really good point to point out that these are definitely conspiracy theories. And the other one definitely was not. Last episode, that's the truth. (laughs) I was just like, end it. We've talked about penises and the episode's over. I need penises. (laughs) All (laughs) kinds of penises are good penises. Yeah, but we're saying penises too much now. Don't be penisist. It's become weird. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't want the last thing people hear before the end of the podcast and the music is the word penis. I paused then because I thought that's where I'm going to edit it. But I, I won't. I, I won't be that mean that it just cuts off with you saying that. But OK, thank you so much for today, because you, <laughs> you I, I should say Sarah puts tons of work into the research, like she was saying, and sourcing everything, cross-referencing, making sure it's all correct. So I very much appreciate the work that you put in to educate all of us. And I include myself in that. Oh, thank you. It's very kind of you to say so. You are we won't welcome. talk about how much time you spend editing the sh- shambles. <laughs> I one day, can you imagine putting out an unedited version? <laughs> wow. If people are listening, yeah, and you think that it already sounds like a mess, we've edited this. This has been edited. Like, wow, what was it like before? Crikey. Yeah, it's a good note to end on. Thank you for listening to HIV Hope and Charity. If you'd like to know more about the work that we do, visit tvps.org.uk. And please like, subscribe and rate the podcast if you enjoyed it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.